Hey guys, Surly Talk Sports here and I'm absolutely fizzed to bring you this week's episode of Sit-Downs with Surly. It doesn't get much better than this. Today's guest is one of the best blokes around. He's a former NRL player, a rugby league podcasting OG, and the man behind all things bloke in a bar. Through his podcast and social media platforms, he's brought the NRL community together while bringing in a new generation of fans into the game. People often say I'm the poor man's version, and that's a bloody compliment. This bloke's banter is the best in the business. It was a real honour to sit down with the man himself and have a yarn about his career so far. Enough from me. Let's rip in. How good. Now Wallace, Carmichael Hunt kicking. Here's the chase for Denon Kemp. The bounce wasn't great, but he did miraculously. They love the fucking boys, and they love the fucking bears. The fucking boys. <laughs> fresh. So just fucking fresh, man. And Lockyer puts a kick down. He's looking for Denon Kemp. He's going to get a kick to put it over the line. Denon Kemp scores. Are you kidding me? Put his back. Fucking pull your head in. Let's fucking go, baby. Den and Kemp, thanks he's for jumping on the show, mate. Hit you up on the DMs on a Friday after a bit of liquid courage, a few cold ones, and I thought, no, nah, I'm no, never going to hear back from the bloke, but much to my surprise, you replied saying you're keen to jump on, so unreal to have you here, bro. Really appreciate it. Nah, mate, I'm, uh, I'm happy to be here. I, uh, I try to be as responsive as I can to the community because, look, I know what it's like, bro. I know what it's like. I started this five years ago, um, and... Yeah, you just got to put yourself out there. I had Bo Ryan as my first guest, so that was fucking hectic. I was like, like "That's yeah. unreal." Yeah, I was rattled, bro. I was rattled, but um, yeah, man. Like, it's it's a bit hard now because I get so many, you know, without sounding like a dickhead, but I get so many messages a day that it's um, it's very hard. Like, unless you tag me in a story or you've already been uh, like opened, as in like before, maybe three months ago. Unless you yeah, tag me in a story or you've already been open, there's just no way I'll be able to see it because I, I can't go into requests anymore because there's too many requests. Um, so yeah, like if you tag me in a story, I can see it. And if, you, if you've, if, you know, before that you've messaged me, I can see it. But yeah, outside of that, it's just impossible to keep up with everything. I tagged you on a hissing goosey video about two months ago. So maybe that's the oh, one that pulled it off. It. The goosey Absolutely. always gets the results. Fucking nice, bro. Fucking nice. Uh, so I'll split this up into three parts, your footy career, post footy, and then all things bloke in a bar. And then of course, the, the big game returns this weekend. So we'll have a quick chat around that. But let's go back to your early days, bro. I understand you're a bit of a soccer protege coming up even signed to an a-league team tell us a bit about that mate bit of a different backstory to most rugby league players yeah so i was uh, played soccer seriously until i was 17 uh, 16 turning 17 um you know long story short i made all the rep sides i pretty much you know imagine a gun that's come through footy and he's made all the queensland sides and everything like that and basically that's you know sound like a wanker but that's what i was in soccer i'd made all the rep sides um the last year, there was an Australian side that we could make. In soccer, there's no Australian side before year 12. Um, and I was injured. And that was actually the same year that I went away for rugby league as well. Um, but yeah, so the last year of school, I was uh, in the Queensland Raw system. 
So I was part of their, I would train with their reserve grade side and play with their reserve grade side. And then the next year that I, before I changed rugby league, the next year the A-League was being created. So basically I would have been in the extended squad as a 16-year-old. If you're playing in the reserve grade squad, you'll you know usually go on to play A-League. And a lot of people that I um, played with went on to play for in the A-League and also for Australia. Um, and then, yeah, I was mucking around with some mates playing some confraternity, which is just a Catholic school tournament in Queensland and happened to get spotted. And basically, um, yeah, I just had to make the choice. Look, do I want to give something new a crack? Footy was way bigger in Australia and still is way bigger in Australia. Yeah. Whereas soccer, we just didn't know what was going to happen with the A-League. They did say to me, look, you'll probably play A-League in a year or two, uh, but it's totally up to you. Um, and then basically said, you know what, stuff it and I'll give footy a crack. And yeah, the rest is history. That's crazy, bro. So you weren't even like a passionate footy player growing up. You just had Mate. kind of a natural talent you didn't even know about until later on. I, d- I honestly didn't even like footy. I like actively disliked footy. Yeah, um, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was crazy. Well, I just my my dad didn't watch footy. Yeah, um, we you know my dad didn't even watch soccer, but we got into soccer at such a young age, and we were in the system. Like, there's not many people that play soccer at an elite level that love rugby league. Um, so it's only natural for me not just to be like, look, it's a brutes game, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, but yeah, so basically I decided that I'm just going to give it a crack, just going to, you know, see how we go. It came relatively easy in the sense of like the skill set was nowhere near as high as you needed for soccer. The physical, um, the toughness of it was something that I had to be taught. That took a while, but that's, that's where they differ. Like rugby league is a lot harder physically. Soccer is a lot harder um, skill-wise, I, I'd say anyway. Yeah, fair. So you're fairly new to the game and then you join the Broncos, a pretty meteoric rise through the NRL. And then all of a sudden you're playing with the likes of Darren Lockyer and some other greats of the game. What was that first year of NRL like, bro? Must have been a few pinch yourself moments looking back now. And did you kind of feel that at the time or was it just going with the flow and it all just kind of happened? Yeah, like it's it's bizarre. You look back now, and a lot of footy players will tell you it's when you look back that you go far out. That's crazy. But when I, when you're young and you're 18 and you're coming through, you're so focused. Like yeah. you've got a goal, and you you don't even realize how focused you are. But you are just like that is my the every morning I wake up, this is the purpose I'm here for. So I just didn't really think about it that much. I just thought like. I was so confident in my ability and my athletic ability. There was no me sitting there going, oh, this is overawing. At no point did I feel overawed. At no point did I ever sit there and go, this is too much. Um, and, and it wasn't because it, it was actually my naivete that, you know, how naive I was, was because I, that's why I didn't feel overawed because I was so naive. I didn't realize the gravity of the situation. And a lot of rookies would, would tell you the same. They actually don't realize the gravity of what's happening. You're just in the, you're in the bubble. Um, you know, so it was never overawed or anything like that. But now I look back and I think, man, that's mental. Like, you know, making your debut at 19 years old, like most guys that were playing their whole life, like, you know, most guns, like their guns made for, like played for Australia and blah, 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 don't even debut till 21, 22. So yeah, now, now I look back and I think, fuck, you should have been way more patient than you were, but you know. Guess that's the way it is. Yeah, that's how it is. That's fucking crazy, man. And then year two of your NRL career is probably your biggest season. You played in 24 games for the Broncos, including that glorious round 12 night against Parramatta. Four tries, equaling the club record. Fuck, how good. That last try as well, pretty iconic. Lockyer with the little chippy and in goes Kempe. Uh, you look back on 2008 with fond memories, mate. Top try scorer, rookie of the year. Pretty unreal. Yeah, absolutely. I just It was just one of those years where I was so happy and confident in my ability. I'd never, never doubted myself. There was no... 
crack in the armor or chink in the armor. I just knew, you know, I knew I had what it took and I was confident. It was, wasn't until later on when, you know, things got going bad. And you know, that's what was so good about Wayne is he just like knows how to make you feel, you know, confident and also appreciate what you bring. Wayne's very good at like saying to you, look, you don't, you might not bring, you know, say a Manu Vadavai brings, but what you bring, I appreciate that. Whereas a lot of coaches, sometimes they don't, they don't show their players an appreciation for the specific thing they bring. Like you look at Darius Boyd, for example, a lot of play, a lot of coaches wouldn't have given him the crack, gave him the crack that Wayne did because a lot of coaches wouldn't have appreciated his safety, his consistency. Yeah. Um, you know, like I understand that the last year or two he didn't go as well, but for 10 years he's been one of the most consistent NRL players there is. And that's what Wayne's so good at is that he can go, look, you may not be the Tedesco or the Ponga, but I appreciate you because you're safe. As I know exactly what I'm getting. You're consistent and you can pull off a big play, you know, here and there. So he was really good at making you feel appreciated um, and making what you brought feel appreciated. Whereas some coaches, it's just like you kind of feel like, you know, and this is no knock on Ivan Cleary or whatever. Like he never said anything negative to me. But when I was at the Warriors, I really felt like, oh, fuck, like, you know, and, and rightly so. Like Manu is one of the best players to ever play the game. Like there's no knock on him, rightly so. But it was like he was the man and you were just like this kind of like, you know, they wanted you to be not like him, but they just didn't appreciate. Look, no errors, like, you know, finishing ability. Um, whereas Wayne really did make you feel that way. Yeah, and you strung up a pretty lethal edge with uh, Carmichael Hunt, Darius Boyd. Your guys' combo was pretty crazy. You must have been thinking this footy shit was pretty easy. You're scoring tries <laughs> left, right and centre. Yeah, it was weird. As I said, like, it wasn't like, I just felt so confident. Like, I was so confident with my ability. I just, you know, I, there was never, t- I just, Every game, I was just confident that I had what it took to do what I needed to do. Um, and I, again, I, I had Carmel Kahn inside me. He was probably one of the most underrated players nearly of all time when it comes to like, you know, he was so good. He was keeping guys like Billy Slater out of the Queensland squad. So, um, you know, or side, sorry, the starting side. So, yeah, uh, Carmichael Hunt helped a lot. And Darius Boyd, he was one of, he's a fantastic center in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, very lucky to be outside, that's for sure. And then in that same year, later in that year, actually, you announced you were signing with the New Zealand Warriors. No doubt, in my mind, the greatest club in NRL history. Uh, what was behind your decision to leave Brisbane, Ryan? Um, so the Broncos told, like, they had a contract there, but it was minimum. Yeah. So that, it was 50 grand. Um, and they said to me, you're the third string hooker right now. Like, you're the, we consider you the third string hooker behind Stevie Michaels and Darius Boyd. And I was just like, man, I'm, I'm not a reserve grade winger. Like, I feel like I'm an NRL player. And the Warriors were interested. And the Warriors at the time, like, they really had a reputation for playing, like, a lot of offloads, broken field footy. The, the year that I signed with them, they, like, got close to the finals. So I signed with them in 2000 and um, starting with 2008. Like, they were decent. Like, they were a solid side. Mm. Um, and so, like, a lot of people don't realize this, but, like, between 2001 and 2011, the Warriors were actually, like, they played finals footies more than nearly any other club except for the Storm and the Broncos. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like it's it's easy to look back now with today's knowledge and be like, oh, why would you go to the Warriors? But people forget, like the Warriors were a strong, strong side, especially through that decade. Um, and I just thought that their broken field play and their offloading and that would really suit my style of play. Um, and basically, pretty much what happened was the Warriors offered something. 
um, you know, it was only 90 grand Australian. So people think that I came there for hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's just not true. Like I genuinely came there for an opportunity to play first grade. If anything, I took a pay cut. So for example, if I stayed and got 50 grand of the Broncos but played end of every NRL game, I would have got about 120K Australian at the end of the year because you get match payments. Yeah. Whereas I signed with the Warriors for 90 grand, no match payments Australian. Um, so it was truly for an opportunity to play first grade. Um, so we'd, I, I'd only agreed like I'd been flown over there, checked it out. And then my manager rang me and just said, like, are you keen? And I just said, you know what? Yeah, let's do it. And I just said, that's all I said was just yes verbally to my manager to say to them. And then I started playing really good footy and the Broncos like came back in really keen and, you know, all of a sudden I'm worth, you know, two, three hundred grand, way more than what I was worth, what I got, you know, offered. Um, you know, I, I, at that time, if I had have not signed, I, I, I feel I could have at least got two to three hundred grand a year um, as NRL top try scorer, I think, at another club. Anyway, um, and so that all happened and I had an opportunity to say to the Warriors, look, I haven't, verbal, I haven't signed anything. I haven't seen a contract. I said yes, but if there's a cooling off period, but I was of the mind that, you know, like my word is really, it's all your, it's, at the end of the day, like everything can come and go, but if you don't have your word and your yeah. reputation as a, as a bloke, and so I stuck to it and, you know, maybe it was the wrong decision. I don't know, but I'd given them my word and although I had signed a contract and I, although there were contract offers that were much, much bigger than what I'd got, I just, you know, it was the ethically the right thing to do. So, yeah. Yeah, fair call. And uh, you had a bit of a tough stint at the Warriors, played just the 11 games, which resulted in you asking for an early release to go back to the Broncos. Was it just a matter of wanting to head home and try find that form from the season before or were you struggling to adjust to life in New Zealand? Because it's a bit different over here. It's pretty fucking cold and can be a bit gloomy at times. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, it's interesting because like, you know, yes, I did ask to explore options. Um, but it was a bit more complicated than that. So, for example, yeah. I got like I got dropped. Look, the funny thing is, and like I make jokes about it. I make jokes about it. But like, if you actually watch my games, I didn't actually play that bad. I just didn't play good. I was just fucking, you know. Um, it's not like I was dropping three balls a game, and you know, blah blah blah. So, like, it, it's more of a, I guess, a bit of a meme, you know, like how bad I play, which is, which is fine. Like, I, I didn't play anywhere near what I could play. Um, and so, basically, I got dropped. And Ivan Cleary kind of said, oh, we're going to rest you. And I was like, oh, okay, sweet. And then I went back to him and said, are you resting me? I'm getting dropped. And he's like, oh, you know, kind of a bit of both. And I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Like I took it on the chin. I went back into reserve grade. I scored like four tries in two games. And, and Ivan said to me, look, you know, go back, work hard, and I promise you that you'll be when – we, when, if someone gets injured, we'll bring you back in. And then, you know, so I did. I went back, worked hard, and um, – Someone got injured or whatever. I think like Patrick Arvan got called up or someone got called up, which is no knock on them. Um, and I didn't get called into the side. And I went to Ivan. I was just like, look, like, you know, you said that. I, and look, man, it's such a complicated situation. He's yeah. just trying to keep me happy. And so I'm not sitting here saying Ivan clearly just like his massive dog or whatever. Not at all. Like dog, he's, yeah. No, yeah. he's <laughs> but he's just trying to like, he's trying to coach a side, you know. So, and he, he like, you know, so I just went to him and said, mate, you like, you said I was the next cab off the rank. I've gone back and played well and you haven't selected me. He's like, oh, you know, fair enough. Like, So it wasn't like he was like, nah, nah, didn't happen, rah, rah. And that was a kind of the beginning, beginning of the end where I felt like, look, I, I don't know if Ivan rates me as a player. Um, maybe it was pe- other people at the club that wanted to get me there. And it, I know, yes, like it was me going to them um, and saying, look, can I explore other options? But basically what happened was like I went to them and said, look, can I get a, a release or this, this isn't working. And now we're just like, okay, sweet. We'd hate to see you go. And explored options, and then I think we came back to them a few. Weeks, I came back like a few weeks later, and I was like, "Look, 
you know what, I'm going to work my ass off. I'm going to stay and like get me spot back or whatever. And then they turned around and were like, look, like, you know, we think you should go or whatever. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like it was a mutual, yeah. Yeah. like a lot of people, like they see at clubs or the player this or the player that, but it doesn't really usually happen like that. It's usually if a player gets released, unless he's putting immense pressure on a club, it's usually like, you know what, this is really isn't working. This, you know, we've got Kevin Locke coming through, you know, even though you're not on that much money, it's just not working. Like, you know, you're not playing anywhere near what you could play. And so usually it is much more amicable than people think. Um, and so that's all that, how that played out. I was actually had an agreement, a verbal agreement with the Bulldogs um, to go back to the Doggies and it was oh. a, a solid contract. But, um, you know, my manager called me out of the blue and even the Doggies players knew. My manager called me out of the blue and he was like, um, nah, nah they're, they're not interested anymore. And I was like, what the hell? Like, it's a, we've agreed. Like, and all of a sudden they're not interested. And then like the next day, another player in his stable, a winger, announces that he signed with the club. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah, yeah. So basically what happened was is that like, look, I had a contract with the Warriors still for the next year. This other guy didn't have a contract for next year. So the manager's most likely going to look like, you know, I can I can get paid by both contracts or I can get Den into the Bulldogs and then this other guy has a contract. That you, so anyway, whatever. Hope you got rid um, of the manager. Fuck. Well, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, I didn't get rid of him. I still kept, and then so what happened was he said, no, nah, no one's interested. Like no one's interested. I said, what do you mean no one's interested? Like, <laughs> I was there, NRL top try scorer last year. You're telling me there's no one on minimum, like like there's so many wingers out there that I was better than at the time. And he's like, no, nah, no one's interested. You've got to stay. And I was like, oh, okay, sweet. And, and so that's when we went back to them and said, all right, like I'll stay. I'll work through this, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then I said to my man, I said, this is weird. The Broncos said to me when I left, anytime you want to come back, we'll always have you back. And I was like, so I rang the Broncos myself and was like, I'm getting told by my manager that, you aren't interested. And they're like, what are you talking about? We don't even know that you're interested in coming home. And I was like, fuck me dead. So I organized a, like a, a minimum wage deal with them, 50 grand, no match payments just to get home. Um, and yeah, so like that's, these are all the things that you don't see. Like a lot of footy players go through this stuff, but they can't really talk about it because, you know, as an employee, if they start saying like, oh, this club did this to me, even though no club did anything wrong to me. But you know what I mean? Like it just it's just not worth the backlash you're going to get. Um, and not in this specific, specific situation because this was more manager. Well, the Warriors were actually really good and the Broncos were really good. Um, anyway, so, yeah, went back to the Broncos, um, got my starting spot back, scored the match winner, uh, to the round one against the Cowboys, 75th minute, and that was a really important moment for me because I was just like, you know what, I just proved that, like, I just needed the right environment to show that, you know, what I could do. Uh, and then I broke my ribs round three, uh, round three of the NRL against the Warriors, Jerome Rapati. Uh, stray knee, boom, six ribs broken, lung collapse, um, out for the season pretty much. Ah, that's so unlucky, man. And <laughs> like you said, it was a bit of a struggle that year with injury. And then the year after, you decided to give rugby a crack playing Southern Districts in the Shoot Shield. How was your time in rugby, bro? And what did you think of the 15-man game? Um, I mean, look, it's not rugby league. I, did, I didn't enjoy it. And, and the thing is that like, I only went there because basically what happened was, was like I, I signed another year with the, the Broncos and certain things were agreed to and I was the number one like winger at the club at the time as in I'd earned my spot back and then Ivan Hendrick got sucked like three, well, three weeks before the season started and right. Anthony Griffin came in hmm. and Anthony Griffin's a new coach. He didn't make the deal. He didn't know about any of the deals or anything like that and so basically what happened was is that I went to the you know Broncos and was like, look, I don't care about any deals. 
you know, whatever. I just want a fair crack at first grade. And the Broncos management pretty much said to me, look, we think you should go somewhere else. So they basically forced me out of the club. Um, and so the, my whole headspace going into rugby just wasn't good. So it was more a reflection of me, you know, not enjoying it and not succeeding at rugby than it was anything to do with rugby. But yeah, then 2011 round around, went to the Dragons. Um, and by that stage, I was mentally just, just checked out of everything. I mentally yeah, was so scarred from all the bullshit. Um, I was just, yeah, I wasn't the same man. So I ended up quitting after the Dragons year and then the Broncos called me back again um, and went back there for a bit and fought my way back into getting a starting spot. And like two days before the game, the guy, well, Anthony Griffin calls me and he says, oh, we're not going to play a Jack Reed suite, even though Reedy was supposed to be out for like four weeks. And then he dropped the other winger and put a forward on the other wing. And I was like, man, fuck, what am I doing? Eh? Like, this is just fuck. Like, I'm bashing my body. I'm getting paid nothing. At this stage, I was on like 25 grand a year, like nothing. Um, and yeah, so I was like, this is just, this is stupid. Ark had a pretty rough run of it, bro, especially uh, yeah. for someone that honored their contract in the first place. It didn't exactly come back around for you. That's a bit rough. Nah. Yeah, it's, it sucks. But at the same time, like, look, you know, where I am now. And yeah. I think that the reason why a lot of people, resonate with bloke in a bar i'd hope is yes like i carry on and do funny shit or whatever and that is funny but i think a lot of people do feel the genuineness with it like a lot of people can say you know what he's a genuine bloke and he's just one of the boys just like us whereas i think sometimes with a lot of other you know personalities or whatever you don't get that feeling you don't get that same kind of like like he might be funny but you're like is he a good bloke i don't know but so i think it's it's paying dividends now i think for sure and just quickly, last one on the footy. After your rapid rise into the NRL, how hard was it for you to make the decision to retire at such a young age still? You know, you had plenty of footy left in you. Was it a tough decision or were you mentally just like, fuck, I'm, I'm, I'm out, this is enough? Yeah, I was just like, I'm done, man. I'm just so done bashing my body up. I, I felt like I had more to offer after footy. Um, yeah, I just, I just knew that I was never going to get paid really good money and I was like, what's the difference between 40 NRL games and 100 NRL games? Like... I mean, it is good. You're in the 100 club. But like, let's say a 100 NRL game player comes up to you and says, I'm an NRL player. And then I come up to you and say, I'm an NRL player. You're not going to be like, oh, you only played 40 games. Like, get out of here. Yes, you know, it'd be, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, it's, whereas like 40 and maybe 150, maybe there's a little bit difference. But, you know, I'd played 42 NRL games. So that's that's way more than, like, more than one season, um, you know. And there was like a lot of, you know, if I'd played like four or five in a row games, that'd be different. But yeah, I was just like, what's the difference between 40 and 70 in a row games? There really isn't other than me bashing my body for an extra three or four years and getting paid nothing for it. You've got enough highlights as well for an eight-minute YouTube video. So I must say yeah. that's pretty impressive, mate. Eight minutes of scoring tries, not fucking bad. <laughs> uh, Post-footy, seems things seem to have come on in leaps and bounds for you, bro. And you're now a pretty massive figure in the NRL community, particular with the young younger generation. Uh, bloke in a bar what was behind starting that what led you to start the beer and and how did you first get into that kind of side of of business rather than footy yeah I just wanted some I wanted to I just wanted to be able to like my purpose was like I feel like everyone has a story and I just wanted people to be able to see these boys as as blokes like just you know often we see them on tv and we kind of like have this idea of our, our head of like them being different or whatever and then you listen to them on a podcast and you may not have liked them before that podcast i'm sure it's happened with you if you've listened to some of the podcasts but you haven't been a fan of someone and then you listen to the podcast and you're like fuck he's actually not that bad of a bloke like whereas i had this idea of him because i just seen him on the footy field and i just wanted people to just to uh, people to be able to see 
the genuine side of players. Like that was the starting point. And then it just kind of grew into like, I really feel like footy fans and the footy community is not serviced correctly by, and really just, um, just treated poorly. Like they're just treated like, like the fan is treated just like that. They're supposed to be there and like, they should just be happy that we're giving. Whereas I just feel like there was somewhere, there was a spot in the market to go, you know what? The fans deserve good, high quality content with a bit of fun. In my opinion, that's what I felt like anyway. Um, and so, yeah, that's why I started it. Unreal. And what was the, the whole bar thing? Was that first or was the podcast before that? The podcast was first. So I started podcast five years ago, bro. 2015, yeah. end of 2015, pretty much. Oh, gee. Um, ah. Yeah, bro, like ages ago. So, yeah, the podcast was for years and years and years. And then the, the bar came about two years ago, two and a half years ago. Um, but the beer, the beer, we, we launched it and then we made it exclusive at the bar. We didn't sell it outside the bar. And then obviously the beer launch was at the start of this season, March 10th. So. Yeah, and leading into that, uh, bloke in a beer lager and apparel, people all around Aussie going absolutely nuts for it, bro. Did you see this coming or did it surprise even you? Because it seems you can't keep up with the demand. It sells so fucking quickly. Everyone's into it. Yeah, I, I honestly, See, like the logic was there for me. Like my plan from the get-go was always like, look, build a platform and then launch a business off it. So provide the footy community with high quality content like that they really enjoy. And then also say, look, if you enjoy this content, you can grab a, if you're going to buy a beer anyway, you may as well buy a bloke in a bar because you get a sports network with it pretty much. Whereas like, if you're going to go buy another beer, you're just buying the beer. So I was like, well, look, if I can provide you with, you know, so much positive things in your life, then you might, it's a no brainer. Like, yeah, if the beer is decent, of course I'll buy it because I'm going to buy beer anyway. Um, and so, but I didn't think it would go this crazy. I didn't think we'd have to, you know, we'd be struggling to meet demand constantly. Um, it's just been absolutely insane, bro. Insane. Definitely did not expect that. It's mad. And as a Kiwi bloke who would love to share a few can Murrays with the boys on a Saturday <laughs> while watching God's game, is there any intentions to bring the beer to New Zealand, bro? You're just focusing on Aussie at the moment. Oh, I mean, we, we've already had, you know, chats to people in New Zealand about taking, like, doing it. It's just a matter of, man, it's such a big, like, a whole new country. Um, in a perfect world, we'd have it everywhere in New Zealand and everywhere in Australia. Um, it's not like we're trying to hold back from anywhere. It's just a matter of finding the resources. But we're hoping within, before the end of the season, we're hoping that it is in New Zealand. Yeah, Matt. Footy's back and fizz levels are high here at uh, Silly Talk Sports for the return of the great game. NRL's back this weekend. No doubt you'll fizz in to wrap your head around this one as well. So I've got a few hypotheticals for you, mate. Obviously, Todd Greenberg got sacked as CEO of the NRL. And to be fair, Volandis has stepped in and done a fucking good job. He's just set a date, made some massive calls and made it happen. But if Denon Kemp was CEO of the NRL, bro, what would be the first thing you would do and why? Oh, shit, man. First thing. I mean, to be honest, a lot of what Vlandy's doing, really. Like, I, I probably, I would have, I, I may not have pulled the trigger on the one ref so soon, but I would have been, you know, his thought process of like, let's get rid of this wrestle somehow. Um, you know, my thought process is always like, look, if we want to make an exciting game, anytime we can, you know, look to, you know, any 50 50 calls, let's give it to the attacking side, you know. Um, any benefit of the doubt sorts, uh, situations, let's give it to the attacking side. So a lot of what he's doing, I think, is fantastic. Um, and I was a fan of Breenberg. I think that he's in a really unique position, though, because let's let's say Vlandis came in and he tried to make these changes in a normal season, people would be losing their minds. Like, what are you talking about? But because he's in this like really strange, unique position where we're just fucking happy to have the footy back, um, 
people will be like, you know what, one ref, yep, sweet. Origin at the end of the year, yep, sweet. No crowds, yep, sweet. Um, whereas if this was a normal footy season, he said, oh, we're going to put it at the end of the year or it's going to be standalone, people would lose their minds. We're going to go back to one ref. So he's actually in this unique position where he can make massive changes and use the COVID-19 as the kind of cover if it doesn't work. If it doesn't work, we go, oh, the only reason why we did it because of COVID-19, let's go back to the old way in 2021. So um, to be honest, a lot of what he's doing, huge fan. I think that it's going to be interesting to see you know, how it, how he deals with the, the stakeholders of the game because although at the moment it's the, the honeymoon phase, eventually when clubs are hurt and they're not get, like he seems like a guy that's going to say to clubs, look, we're not giving you all this money anymore. Yeah. Whereas Greenberg was very happy to go, you know what? Um, look, I think Greenberg from a business perspective was really good. He turned the game from fucking losing $30 million a year to making a fucking $40 million profit last season. So that's incredible. Now it's going to be interesting, but a lot $40 million profit. And he also increased every year how much money the NRL gave to clubs. So it's going to be interesting that it, the clubs hated Greenberg. Well, you know, some clubs disliked Greenberg and he was giving them more money every year. Yeah. So I can only imagine how they're going to treat Landy's if he turns around and says, you've got to live on, you got to live on die by yourselves, guys. So I think we're in the honeymoon phase now. I think he's done an incredible job. Um, who knows? We could be, we could be witnessing the birth of one of the most loved CEOs and directors of, of rugby league. We don't, you know, he could go down as one of the best guys to ever do it. So uh, I think um, so far he's been incredible. So far he's been incredible. Just get shit done. I like it. Another hypothetical yep. for you, bro, because every footy fan loves talking about shit that will never happen. If you <laughs> were the next team added to the NRL, so say it's Bloke FC and you could pick your dream spine, so ha- uh, fullback, halves and a hooker, who would you sign if the salary cap wasn't an issue? Oh, shit. That's tough, man. Um it's tough because, like, you know, you'd probably go injury-free. You'd put Tommy Trevojevic at the back, I'd say. Yeah. Um, Over Teddy. But then, you know, that's what I was going to say. But Teddy's not injured as much as yeah. Tommy. So you'd probably put Teddy there. But then you go, all right, well, from a business perspective, Kalen Pong is the biggest sports star in the game and he's 21 years old. Um, you know, but if we're just going purely, look, let's just say injury-free. I'm putting Tommy at the back, at fullback. Munster at six. Um and I'm going probably a seven, probably Luke Keary. Yep. Um, at nine, uh, obviously Cam Smith, but if not Cam Smith, Damien Cook. Yeah, that, that's, prob- that's probably what I'd be going. I think we'll find at the end of the year, the Australian six and seven will be Keary Munster and Teddy obviously at the back. Um, but, uh, I mean, you got White in there as well. That's been really good. Moses, Mitch Moses. could. Uh, you know, I'm t- I think Mitch Moses might win half of the year. Yeah. But yeah, that's probably what I'd go, bro. I'd go probably Tom Travoyevich injury-free at the back um, just because he can cover more positions than Teddy. Don't get me wrong. Teddy's fucking in fucking credible, incredible. Um, Munster, Kiri, um, Smith. Hard to argue with that. And in your opinion, who's the most underrated player in the NRL at the moment, bro? Underrated player in the NRL? I think um, Katoni Staggs is really good. I don't think he's underrated, but I just think that like he's still on the cusp of being one of the best centers in the game. You know, I think this year you are going to find that it's really going to show like he, wow, he is one of the most explosive centers in the game. Um, but yeah, underrated, like I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, it's really tough, man. It's really tough. Like yeah. I think rookie of the year is going to be interesting. Harry Grant might be up there now that he's at the Tigers. He's got a starting spot. You've got Bradman Best. Um, 
but yeah, underrated. That's tough. I think you know, obviously, Orbo. Orbo is fucking. You know, it's weird. It's like the goat. The goat. But like, what's weird is like Orbo's been the goat for ages, but we just didn't appreciate him. Only the boys and now, appreciate him now. Right? Yeah, fucking no, fucking no. They're now fucking um, now he's in everyone's like greatest utility of all time. So it's fucking great that he's getting the appreciation that he deserves. Fuck, he can credit you for that hundred <laughs> percent. And uh, your Delhi in prediction for twenty twenty, Tom Trevojevic. If he stays injury free, Tom Trevojevic. And I leading think, off um, that, uh, who do you think will win the comp? I think Manly, if Tom, if Manly can keep their, their squad on the side, like obviously you look at the Roosters and the Storm. I think the Storm are going to be there absolutely. The Roosters, it's going to be interesting to see how they gel that halves pairing. Like people just don't understand. Cooper Cronk is like one of the greatest halves of all time. That's a huge loss. On top of that, Luttrell has been the top point scorer two years running. Now say what you will about Luttrell. I'm I'm a mate of his. I think he's a fuck. People don't, I think he's been unfairly maligned by the media. Um, I think powers much stronger than him have made him look bad to make themselves look good. Um, but people forget that Latrell has been back-to-back top point scorer in the NRL. Now, do, do the Roosters win the grand final last year without Latrell? I don't even think they make the grand final without Latrell. And so it's he is a bigger loss than people realise. Like when they looked for points, Latrell was the fucking man. And, he, and if you're the top point scorer back-to-back and you lose the top point scorer where you won back-to-back premierships, it's it's hard to find points. So I think he's a much bigger loss. Regardless of how he goes at the Rabbitohs, regardless, that's that's irrelevant. It's what the Roosters have lost in how he played there. Um, so I think he's a bigger loss than people think, that's for sure. I agree 100%. The dude's a freak. With Origin taking place three consecutive weeks now, what's your thoughts on that, bro? And uh, how much do you think the Blues will win the series by? <laughs> Please, I'm a Queenslander, brother. Fuck yeah. that. Oh. Um, you know, we'll go. I'll go I'm going to go... You. I'm going to go 2-1 to the Maroons. Kalen Ponga, player of the series, bro. Um, I love I love it. I think that we should always play it in the um, – we should always play Origin in a standalone. Like, no, there's not a single person that enjoys club footy in Origin time. It's fucking terrible. Like, and that's no I, – I got my debut during Origin time. But when we talk about a product and the standard of a product, it's nowhere near the same as when the Origin players are back. So why not use that that three? I I would block out a month for Origin, and then all the internationals. I don't know if you've watched my segment on this, but all of the international games I'd play with that too. So all the Samoan boys, the Tongan boys, um, the you know you could even have the Maori boys in there. You could have you know an Indigenous side in there, uh, Tong, um, Cook Islands, Fiji, PNG. I would have a round robin with all those teams. Like and make it basically like their version of Origin and a, and a tournament within that period. It helps them play more games together. It would be more people would watch it. And any player that didn't make a state side or an international side, or like wasn't eligible, you you bring them back and you put them in New South Wales Cup and Queensland Cup, and you have like a magic round where it's filled with NRL players and you built you know the bolster the reserve grade. Yeah, I just think that at the moment where no one wins by playing below standard footy um, and we've got this international game that's rapidly growing Tonga have blown everything wide open why not take advantage of that um, and have this like we call it I would call it the magic month yeah and it would just you know and it would just be heaps of buzz a round robin maybe between the international sides with a grand final that's played before origin um, or even on the weekend of origin or something like that whatever it is I just think that look the money that you save with all the club games, you just you spend that on the international games. I, I think it'd be 
I, I don't know. I don't understand why we don't even consider. Like, I'd be putting it in as soon as possible, as in like next year, magic month in the middle of the year. You're still playing with your clubs pretty much, um, you know, and or, or like we just work out a way. You just work out a way pretty much. Sounds good to me. Kimpy for CEO, lock it in. <laughs> this next one's who's your favourite NRL personality because you've created a few of them, but I'm going to do it in a bit of an eliminator. So I'll give you two names. You answer which yep. one wins that battle. The one at the end, obviously your favourite. So we'll start with Latrell Mitchell or Josh Adokar. Damn. I'm, oh, man, that's tough. That is tough. Like Adokar obviously releases more content, yeah. but I'm actually pretty close with Latrell. I'm going to go Latrell. I think from a pure content perspective, Josh, obviously, like Adokar is fucking hilarious. Um, but from a mate's perspective, I've just, I'm pretty close with Latrell. Like, so. Can't um, talk the boys. Fair yeah, enough. can't talk the boys, bro. Can't talk the boys. I'm, I'm mates with Josh as well. I'm mates with Josh as well. But I'm, you know, I speak to Latrell pretty regularly. And, and bro, like, think about it. This is the kind of bloke Latrell is, man. Like, he is the biggest superstar in the NRL beside Ponga. And like, I sent him some beers and he's posting pictures, putting it up, like, you know how much that would cost a beer company to yeah. do that? Yeah. That would cost 10, like, let's say Forex came to him and said we want to sponsor him. That would honestly cost maybe 50,000 bucks. He's doing it for free. Only just, The only reason is because I've just shown him a bit of respect about him as a bloke and not bagged him online. And that's the kind of bloke he is. And I just wish more people could see that, man. Wish, wish more people could see that. Yeah, fair. Uh, Latrell or Johnny Bateman? Oh fuck! I'm gonna. You can't. You can't keep going, Latrell, because he's my mate. He's a close mate. Well, he gets, I, he, I love Big Johnny. He gets carried through. Winner carries through to the next person. So you're gonna have to get okay. rid of him eventually. Oh, I, I'm not. I can't. I mean, I just can't. <laughs> uh, how about we? How about we push out Latrell? So Latrell's a mate. He's gonna go all the way to then. How about we go Adokar versus Bateman? Yeah, fair call. All That's right. a compromise. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go Adokar. Only because he releases content more regularly that you know I use in that. So, but but I fucking love Johnny. He's another bloke. I send him some cases. He puts them up. He's a fucking le- like. I think Johnny is going to go down. I, as long as this contract she gets sorted out, I think he's going to go down as one of the most beloved uh, pommies we've ever had in the game. Like he is one of the fucking lads. Loves a beer. Gun player. Um, yeah, I think he's going to go down as one of the biggest imports we've ever had. So, Addo Carr versus the cheese, Brandon Smith. Oh, I'm going to have to go the cheese. I'm going to, because like the cheese was just a bench player. And, you know, like, he, you know, he, he, and that's no knock on him, but he was like a bench player that was decent. And now he's like one of the most recognizable names in footy. Yeah, you've done. Um, and and, and it's, it, because he's a bit different, he's a bit weird, he's a bit different, he's so unique. Um, and what's the, like, Kiwis love the cheese, obviously, because yeah. he's Kiwi. Yeah. But I think like, you know, he's loved by Aussies and Kiwis. Like, there's not, there's no one that doesn't like the cheese. Oh, Have you ever met anyone that said like Brandon Smith is shit? Yeah, exactly. He's from fucking Waiheke too, some random little shitty island off Auckland. Like, <laughs> what are the fucking chances? <laughs> what a roast. Uh, the cheese or Billy Magulius? Oh, the cheese. But I love me some Billy Magulius. Oh, Magulius has got, he's got, he's got, um, he's he's newer, so he's got a bit, he's got a bit more time. Give him a year or two, and we'll see how we go. But the cheese is just like. You know, he's he's up there. He's up there. Uh, the cheese or sexy taxi Texoy. The cheese, but I do love me some sexy taxi. The cheese. Oh, I think this one will get you. The cheese or David Fafita. The cheese. Oh, I mean Bronco though. Yeah. So, what are we talking about? Like content? Or are we just talking about like I just got to pick one? Yeah, just just pick one. Who's your boy? It's not personal I'm, either. It's just I have to go. I have to go for Fafita because he's a Broncos. 
But if he, if he leaves the Broncos, I'm changing back to the Chiefs. Nah, I love him. He's a fucking gun. Fafita or Tommy, bruh? Oh, my God. You know what? I'm going to go Tommy, but not because, like, obviously I want to go with Dave Fafita because he's played for the Broncos. But Tommy is the OG, man. He's one of the first memes that really kicked off that I'm trying to think of. Tommy, bruh, with the Sunnies. Yeah. That's literally one of the first memes. Outside the Goosey, that's one of the first memes. So I'm going to go Tommy. Fuck, he would have flogged you otherwise. Fair call. And then Tommy versus <laughs> Cam Murray, Mr. Arousal himself. Oh, no. That's the, that's the grand final too. Doesn't oh, no. How di- I can't believe you've done this to me. You've absolutely fucking... Oh, that's fucking tough. That's so tough. Oh. Golden point. Fuck. Yeah, draw. I can't, I can't split those two. I can't split those two. Cool. Um, I'm going to go... Only okay, Murray. Oh, how could you not? Those eyes, eh? Oh, the ocean eyes. Oh, <laughs> Some quick fire ones to finish off because no doubt you have more important shit to do than talk to some bloke from New Zealand. <laughs> so uh, firstly, the best bloke you played with or against on the footy field? Um, Darren Lockyer, like as in like ability, Darren Lockyer, absolutely. And the biggest grub you played with or against? Michael Ennis was my hooker for a year, so but like he's a grubby. Like he, I, I fucking love it. I <laughs> love watching him play. I, I love him niggling and being a pest. Love it. Uh, worst roommate you had on tour? I never really had a bad roomie. The only actually like a bad roomie once was a, I was playing for reserve grade for the Warriors, the Vulcans or whatever they're called. Yeah. Um, and I was with a dude that couldn't speak English. He's Ooh. like he was from Tonga or something. I forgot yeah. what his name was. But yeah, like we we couldn't speak, bro. We literally couldn't speak. He was fresh from Tonga like that year and we just like couldn't talk. We were just roomies that couldn't talk. Pretty awkward. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, Favourite sport outside of footy? Probably MMA to watch. Yeah, nice. And if you could play for any other professional sports team from any era as well, who would you pick? Um, Any other professional sports team? Oh, man. As in, like, like any other club or any other yeah, professional sport? Like, or do you want to play for, like, Real Madrid or would you want to play oh. for the Bulls with MJ or what would be your thing? I'd love to be, you know, minus the the head trauma and the damage, I'd love to be the best boxer in the world. Yeah. So. You know, that'd be sick, I reckon. Fight Ali. Get in there. <laughs> yeah, fucking oath. <laughs> Man. And a few non-footy-related ones to finish. If you're on death row, what would your final meal be? Pizza. Easy. And three people dead or alive you'd like to go to dinner with? Um, Brad Pitt. Oh. Um, Denzel Washington. Yeah. Um, and Christopher Hitchens. I have no idea who that is, but it sounds smart. <laughs> well, yeah. Just, I mean, he's a... Literary genius, genius. So he's quite. He's a very, very smart man. So Hitch, uh, Hitchens, I probably yeah, Hitchens, definitely Washington, and the, the one I would sub if I had to say would be Brad Pitt. But I think Brad Pitt would be an interesting dinner. Your coach of the Broncos for this week. Everyone's in their prime, and you got to cut one, bench one, start one for the oh, number two me. jersey. So you got Lottie to carry, Corey Oates, then and Kev. Who you cut it? Oh, well, I mean Lottie to carry. He's one of the greatest wingers of all time. You got to keep him. I'd just cut myself. I'd bench Otsie and put me. I'd cut myself. Too humble. Too humble. <laughs>
Day three of a bender, bro. So you're getting into the business end now. Serious head yep. noise. 9 a.m. in the morning and you're really starting to hit a wall. You get one phone a friend, ring someone up to get you through. Who are you ringing? <sighs> Fuck. Um, probably Josh Miller from the uh, – he used to play with the Dragons and the, the Cowboys. Uh, the, the Raiders, so Josh Miller probably. Yeah, goes good. Loves it. Perfect. And you got a room full of bloke. Bloke Lager, you got three NRL players, past or present, you can sync it with. Who would be your three blokes? Joey and Alfie Lager. Oh, Joey. Get him back on. Fucking be so good, bro. So good. Right, that's me done, mate. Again, thanks heaps for jumping on. True legend and providing some unreal content around the NRL. Love what you're doing with all things bloke in a bar as well. It's been a pleasure to have a yarn, bro, and hopefully talk again soon. All good, bro. Thanks for having me and uh, good luck on the journey. Cheers, bro. Thank you, man.